0: Hello, friends. My name is Steve, and I'm here tonight with author A.J. Smee or Adam Smee. How you doing tonight, Adam?
1: I'm doing great. Thanks for the invite, Steve.
0: Yeah, thanks for coming by. And uh, how's your week gone so far?
1: I've had a great week. Uh, I'm running down to the end of the semester, so uh, vacation is in is in <laughs> is in sight. So I'm happy, always happy for vacation. Right on. Um, oh. Yeah. Go ahead.
0: Oh, okay. That. I have an echo here. Just give me one second. That was my fault. <laughs> Too many windows open. So uh, I was looking up your up your website and on uh, Punk Right Publishing. What can you tell us about Punk Right? Um,
1: actually, I'm I'm going to throw that back to you because actually one of the reasons I I was interested in your show and I love your channel is that you're always looking for like independent uh, type work and I think that is very undervalued. Um, I am a librarian, as I, I mentioned to you earlier. And so a lot of the things we get are from the, the big five publishers and all these mainstream publishers. Uh, but there is a lot of really interesting writing going on out there that is not mainstream. So to tell you about punk right publishing is that if, it's just about doing it yourself uh, and y- you can learn. Uh, and YouTube is the best tool, in my opinion, that's been created for learning Uh, there's, there's of course a lot of junk out there, but if you want to learn how to do stuff, somebody is, is like publishing it and they're putting it out there and you can just have free access, uh, and including the publishing process. And it's a little bit of complexity to it. Uh, but if you are willing to put some time in and and learn some skills, you can do it. And so the idea of punk right publishing was that, uh, it was just doing it yourself, being independent, you know?
0: Yeah. So is, is that, is that creative freedom important <clears throat> for you to have that kind of freedom to write, write the book you want to write and not be uh, edited too much to where it's not your creation?
1: Yeah. I mean, uh, yeah. that's a, that's a tough question because it's like, we always have, uh, we always have the ability to be expressive and creative. Uh, and I don't think, I think the, the most happiness comes when you don't really depend on other people, but one of the main motives I have is that I'm I'm a little bit older. I'm like almost I'm close to fifty now, and when I started looking at the publishing process and just the time that's involved and the length, you know, it could be years before a book gets out. I'm just like, you know, I just I can do this. I'm just going to do it myself, because uh, time waits for no one,
0: man. <laughs> yeah, no, it doesn't. Father, <laughs> time is undefeated.
1: That is correct.
0: Yeah. So, what what can you tell us about your book, Scarboys?
1: Oh uh, yeah, I have a copy right here this is scarboys i don't know if you get the mm-hmm. the uh it doesn't flip scarboys is my first actually it's my second novel but it's my first published novel uh, i have written another one that i just kind of keep in the ar- the archives because it's that's where it should stay but uh this one <laughs> i felt really good about and i'm like yeah let's let's put it out and and see what people think and um you know it's hard to it's hard to put it in a specific genre and which is also an advantage about self-publishing is that you can kind of mix in all kinds of different aspects of different genres and it doesn't really have to fit into you know into a certain peg that often publishers are looking for um so it's a dystopian novel i was kind of writing it more as an adult novel and then i ended up scaling it back you know in terms of vocabulary to more of a uh, young adult but it's more like a new adult you know there's it's not an overly complex story, but it's got some vocab in it. Um, and it's a dystopian novel about a, a boy named Nestor, Nestor who is living in this world that's been a little bit it's succumbed to the to the the maladies of the human the human tendencies, which is climate change, uh, technology, those things that have run rampant and have led to other things such as war. And in the end, Nestor is just kind of left alone. He's saved from a lot of the, uh, the worst things, but he finds out that he has a condition and he and his aunt who live out in a relatively secure place. I don't want to call it a utopia, but it's safer than other places. Uh, she dies and he's got to deal with his problem. And so off he goes. And when he gets into the world, this is where he finds out that, you know, things are not actually what, what he understood them to be. And that, uh, Children are a commodity for various reasons.
0: Mm. Oh yeah, good. That's a good pitch. <laughs> That's a good. Uh, we need to find out now what they're a commodity for. <laughs> yeah. I could elaborate, but a little ten, a little temptation. Yeah, definitely. That's a great, great pitch for it. And what were some inspirations for the book? What, what was kind of what what inspired you to write this kind of story? You know
1: uh, the. The process of writing is for me, it's, it's really fun. You know, it's, so it's, it often starts in one place. I'm very much a discovery writer. I had this, uh, you know, on my own YouTube channel, I made a video. One of the first videos I made, it was that, you know, next book I write, I'm not going to discovery. I'm going to like plan the thing out because that's the way to do it. And I swear I tried to do it and I just sit down to write and the thing just kind of goes. Um, and so when I actually started the idea for the novel years ago, probably 12, 13 years ago. It just kind of was a seed that was very much a young adult novel and evolved into something that I'm passionate about in terms of uh, environment. Um, that's my, my educational background is environmental science, environmental studies, uh, politics, which, which is interwoven in there, and you know, just struggles of, of human power, um, the misuse of technology, uh, or the abuse of technology, all those things that become part of the story and are important to the story so as as the story evolved, I tried to bring that in as much as I could because again, that's what I know it's what i'm I'm passionate about and interested in
0: so i, I keep I keep hearing authors say write what you know, so that sounds like that's
1: uh, uh yeah i I tried to write things you don't know and you just sound really dumb so yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that is really good advice write what you know. <laughs>
0: And uh, so, when you when you had when you wrote the book, I know that you you also teach, right?
1: I'm a teacher. That's right.
0: Mm-hmm. So, what what did that experience of writing Scarboys and getting it published? How did that uh, change your perspective or how you teach your students?
1: Uh, so that's a that's a really good question because one of the motives that I I had for doing this self publishing is that I uh, I teach philosophy, so there is some philosophy in the book as well. It's life philosophy but I also do graphic design as one of the courses for, for my students. And so um, as I embarked on this project, I, I wanted to just you know, deepen my understanding of my own craft of those areas, but also like show kids that you can do this stuff. You know, it's part of, part of the example of, of teaching is, or the power of teaching is leading by example and being um, demonstrative of your passions and what you're good about, which is really the most inspiring thing for kids in my, in my experience is what I've found.
0: Hmm. And when you, uh, how did you, how did you edit or how did you proofread the book? Did you have an editor or did you uh, go line by line yourself or what was that process like? Dude, I
1: read this book like 13 times for my, myself and, uh, you kind of have to come to some sort of acceptance that it's not perfect. But when I felt good enough about it, uh, I did, I, you know, I let a couple of people read it. My wife read it she's like, yeah, this is, this is working. And then I sent it off to an editor. And, uh, that's one of those things that you just cannot do yourself in self-publishing. So if, mm. if anyone's watching this show and you're thinking about putting something else, uh, spend the money. Uh, and I, I, you know, I kind of approached it in the way that I, I did not go to formally to school for, for creative writing. So, you know, I spent the, well, it cost me about $4,000 to do the various rounds of editing. But I looked at that whole thing as a college class, which is what I would spend in the university. And the truth is what you learn from that, from a professional looking at your work is invaluable and and untouchable for for a beginning author or any author, really, because you need to have some sort of uh, objective perspective on your work who's not invested,
0: so, when when you send it to an editor, how does that process work? Because there's different types of editors, right? There's a line by line, and there's a story, and there's some other a few other types, right?
1: Yeah. So the first process is your developmental edit, and that is uh, which, in terms of my practice as a teacher, is also very good because I, I need to read a lot of essays, and it's like you see so many things that are that need attention in a piece of work. It's like, where do you start? So, the developmental edit is a very holistic perspective on. You know how is the story working? How are your characters working? Do things make sense in sort of uh, in, in terms of time? Uh, how are your arcs working? And so there's not too much detail to the actual written part, and that that one is very 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 important because you know my own philosophy of books and and reading I I like the story. You know there are I, I read all kinds of things. I read literature. I read high literature. I read science fiction, I just read realistic fiction, I read young adult, etc. But if the story's not there then you're just going to get bored. The editor is going to help you develop that story and make sure that it's, you know, it works and it takes you to the right place.
0: So when it, when an editor looks at it do they send the revisions to you or do they just make the changes for you and tell you this is what we changed?
1: Yeah, so, you know, the editing the whole editing world is quite fun as well. There's a whole subculture of like independent editors that will um, you know, you can, you can find, it's a little bit of a crapshoot cause you don't know what you get until you actually, you know, get the edit back, but some people will give you sample edits. Um, but there's a whole world out there that you can find someone to meet your needs. And so I, I found a, a woman in, um, she lives in great Britain and she, you know, put, I put on a word document. She did track changes all the way through and it was, you know, great perspective and, uh, you know, detailed responses to to specific areas of the text that really need attention, and it's it's quite worth it.
0: Wow, I, I never realized there's so many different types of editors. There's a lot of different, uh, you know. There's spe- seems like there's specialized different editors.
1: Um, you know, I actually, I don't know. I can't answer that question. I don't know for certain. I think there are specific tasks of editing. Mm-hmm. I think most editors can probably do all those tasks, uh, but I selected this woman to do two rounds of editing. And then I put, I gave it to somebody else because I wanted a different Mm -hmm. perspective. Uh, And I think that's, that's also important. Not that she couldn't do it. I just think that, you know, the more points of view that you can get on a story, the stronger it's going to be.
0: Sure. And our friend, John from Hey Y'all Listen Up is here. Hey, John, hope you're having a good, a good Friday. What's up, John? And I was looking at, uh, so did you create your own publishing, uh, your own publishing company with punk writer? Is that, um, is it a, small press or how do that how does that work
1: publishing company that is such a generous word <laughs> <laughs> I mean no yes and no I mean I put my I made my own logo and I put it on there but you know it's it, a company I guess does actual things I just did it through myself so okay yes yes it is a company but I don't I didn't do any special tax you know tax sign ups or anything no uh, I just put my own label on it
0: so what what's the difference between having your own label on it versus just self publishing with Amazon and going using Amazon KDP is there a difference between the two? Um
1: yeah, I think having your own label is cooler. I mean, come yeah. on. <laughs> well, other than that, yeah. Of course it's cooler. I, probably there's probably not much difference, no.
0: Oh, okay. Yeah, I was no. I was wondering if there's certain benefits of having your own uh, you know, your own mark on it.
1: No, the only thing the, the only difference that I know of for certain is that when you publish with KDP, uh, you have the choice of of uh, using their ISBN numbers. So if you if you do that, then you really don't have any control of your book in the book sale. I bought my own ISBN numbers, so I am fully in, in charge of the book. So I, I get all of the, the royalties and I can sell to whoever I want. If you use the Amazon ISBN numbers, then you're restricted to Amazon and Amazon only.
0: Oh, okay. So you're exclusive if you use those ISBN numbers. That's correct. Oh, I got you. Okay. Oh, that clears up. I was wondering about that. And, yeah. and you, you also have your own uh, YouTube channel. I have a YouTube channel, yeah. Yeah. I, lots of tips on there.
1: Uh, yeah, I mean, I do... <sighs> YouTube is a funny thing, um, and I think there are different personalities uh, in terms of what they want. Like, what you're doing with this channel is very focused, and I think that the most focused channels are going to have the most success, to be honest with you, because people who find that niche are going to get the same people coming back. Uh, My channel is a little bit more diverse. I do do, I do lots of writing. I do writing tips, but I also do like my own documentaries. I do my own songs just because, uh, again, what I love about the YouTube is that it's like, it's a way to document your life. It's, it's so, uh, you can make it very organic and free and fluid if you're willing to engage and spend the time in making videos. Um, you know, a lot of my documentaries are made around Caracas area. I'm not going to, I'm a U.S. citizen, but I'm not going to live in Caracas forever, but I've made these videos that I can go back and reference and I know the places and it's like very, it's very sensitive to me. Uh, and so I, I love people to watch them. I want them to watch them, but if they don't, that's, that's okay too. I'm cool with that. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Yeah. I guess it kind of comes with the territory is you just kind of put it out there and hope someone connects with it.
1: Yes. And to go back to the, you know, my other, my professional job is that I do do video with kids. I do a filmmaking with kids. So those are things that, uh, help me just practice and keep in, keep in touch with the craft. And again, YouTube making YouTube videos, uh, you know the writing videos that i make and the documentaries it's just another way of telling story and it's really fun to tell stories you know uh, i never realized how important it was to conceive the themes and conceive, conceive the the plot and storylines of your youtube videos before you actually go and put them together and when you do that editing it's it's a craft and that's fun for me it's fun
0: yeah it is a craft for sure <laughs> yeah i don't think most people realize how long it takes to make a just a quick video on youtube it takes a lot of time
1: i think they have no idea unless they're making them i know some of my earlier videos had graphs graphics in them that i made and those things you know easily 18 to 20 hours to make a a, an eight minute video (laughs) which is you know to be honest with you it's just like writing if it's like you, you need to do those things because you enjoy them and you have fun and, and not because you expect anything, uh, as a reward.
0: Yeah, definitely. It is a labor of love. Yes, it and is. How, yeah. How long have you been writing for? Uh, I've
1: been writing in, in some way or another, I've been writing since high school. You know, I used to write a lot more, poetry i did a lot of uh i was in rock and roll bands when i was in high school and college so i i played a lot of music and i wrote a lot of music with with the band members so that type of, of poetry and songwriting was um was quite fun um and i have notebooks just full of stuff that some of it's in song and some of it is just there i don't i, I actually never go back and look at it um but i sat down to seriously start writing prose probably when i was in my mid-20s hmm so about 20 years i guess i could say i was i was serious about it
0: Nice. uh john says i had no idea how long it took to edit a video until i started doing it
1: yep that's right john
0: you don't really you really don't realize how long it takes until you do it and how long it takes to do it right yeah uh john's asked what are your musical influences
1: oh that's a great question because that is kind of the the premise of the of my website and my, you know, my channel is that it's about punk. I used to listen to a lot of punk music growing up. Um, I grew up in the late 1980s when punk music was kind of coming to an end, but it was still there. We'd go see shows in Cleveland. I'm from Akron, Ohio. So we'd go see shows in Cleveland, uh, listen to a lot of Fugazi. Um, I listened to a lot of, um, Glenn Danzig. I listened to a lot of the Misfits uh, that was, that was when I was probably 13 or 14. And then I, I got, I went through a very serious time of the Grateful Dead where that's, I just listened to the Grateful Dead for about three years, four years straight. I didn't listen to anything else. <laughs> um, and it was very satisfying. Let me tell you.
0: Yeah, I bet. <laughs> yeah.
1: yeah. But yeah. I loved, yeah. uh, just to, to finish up that question, cause I think it's important is that One of the things that I learned when I was, you know, a young, a young, very young adolescent is that, and I I write about this on my website. There is this Fugazi concert that I went to in, um, in Lakewood, Ohio, and it was a rented warehouse and they, they probably rented it for dirt cheap. And we get there and it's a $2 entrance and you open the door and it was just absolutely packed with kids. And it was just so much energy and so much life. And it was $2. And those things for me are hugely important because, you know, those bands in that time period, a lot of it was about accessibility. And they didn't, they didn't really want to go to mainstream labels. They wanted to do what they wanted to do. They didn't really care how it happened. And everybody latched onto it. And it was, that was the movement. And I, when, when I, you know, in the last 10, 10 or 12 years, this whole idea of independent publishing is, for me, very much the same. It's like people are just doing it because they want to do it. Some people have been very successful, but it's just, you know, finally there's a, there's some sort of way to get your ideas out there and you don't have to really worry about everyone else judging you. You can just do it if you have the confidence and the gall to do it.
0: That's the first step, right? That's right. Yeah. And what did writing lyrics and poetry, how did that help you write prose when you got to, when you got serious about writing prose, how did those, those years writing music help you or, or not?
1: That was a tough question. (laughs) Yeah, to give you an honest honest answer, I think that the actual writing itself uh, probably not not so much uh, because the the style is so different, and you know, rock and roll music is not really heavily based on vocabulary. So it's just you're, you're feeling a moment and you're putting it out. And so that, if I were to say anything, that's probably be that would probably be the most relevant is that. You know, music and writing lyrics is about finding some sort of flow. And I, I think in art, in any kind of expression that you that you want to pursue, you know, pursue, it's like you just have to have some flow, some flow to it. When you write a book that is thick, this is 400 pages, you want to hop on that bus and just like get carried away for 400 pages. So you need that flow. And if you lose that flow, whether it's a rock and roll song or a piece of poetry or prose then I think that's a, that's a red flag. It says you got to change something.
0: And for your book, did you seek out reviewers before you, uh, I know you had your people look at it and editors. Did you seek out reviewers?
1: Uh, No, I did not. I did not at all. And I think one of the reasons was that I, I put, uh, I got to the point where I'm just like, you know what, I need to like finish this thing and just be done with it uh, and just put it out in the world. And so I put a deadline for myself with editors. I put a deadline with publishing and I, I put a deadline on my, on my YouTube channel, uh, punk, right. And I said, it's coming out at such date, September 22nd. And I'm like, I'm going to meet that date. And it was tight, but I had to work my butt off because if not, it's really hard to keep yourself motivated to produce something. Hmm. So I didn't have time to be honest with you, although I've submitted to other places, I'm still waiting on some things, but, uh, you know, it's a slow process.
0: Yeah, definitely. And what from your journey f- to getting your book published, what was some of the best and worst advice you received when you're getting when you're in the process of writing your book and getting it ready for publishing?
1: You know, I'm not gonna say that there was bad advice, but I will say that um, there there are so many different YouTube channels out there that you seek because it's very accessible. It's it's easy, but I think you have to um, be very wary of the facility of those channels uh they'll give you some advice that is maybe not necessarily based it doesn't have any kind of profundity to it i guess and it's just it's just a waste of i don't want to say it's a waste of time because everything helps but it's it's not the best use of your time uh, i would suggest that you read some more i mean if you're writing prose you need to read people who you know write about prose that's very very helpful uh and if you can seek out people who are experienced that's always going to be great um you know, that's, I don't want to say that's the worst advice because, you know, it's, it's a big cavern, man. It's like you're walking into this big dark room and you're, and you're just kind of holding a candle and you're hoping that you can see something until you get to the end. Uh, and so, you know, sometimes you trip over rocks.
0: Yeah, it's part of the journey, right?
1: It's part of the journey. Yeah.
0: Were there any resources you found uh, during your time that you recommend or that you would tell a, someone who's, trying to get their uh, book published to look into?
1: You know, I, there are actually the, the two, I mean, I've read all kinds of books on how to write dialogue and uh you know, I have volume as a librarian. I'm, I have, I have some, I have a credit card <laughs> yeah. so I can, I can order stuff and I've read all kinds of stuff, but I have to say the two books that stand out most was um the Stephen, Stephen King on writing, I think is a fantastic book about the craft because he doesn't get too Bogged down in the details of like the actual craft. He talks very much about the process and the organic nature of it and the the feeling of it, which I think is is very important. And uh Anne Lamott wrote wrote another one called Bird by Bird, which I think is also a great, you know, personal history of the writing craft and 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 how you get into it. And she says the same thing. She's like, you know, she gets to the end of the book and she's like, Don't if you're doing this for money, you're that is the wrong reason. You know, it's like it's a life. It's part of your life. It's part of what you do. It's you breathe, you write, you process the world, uh, you make stories, you create. And I think those are things that human beings do. Uh, and, and that is the enjoyment. If you can make money, great. Uh, but I honestly don't think there are many people making money off of their, their books. You know? And the ones that you see on YouTube who, who tout that, I think are, you know, that's the, the survivor bias. And they, they are very few in terms of percentage. I think I don't really know, but that's my, that's my perception of it.
0: What books do you like to read? What, what are you reading now?
1: Oh, I'm picking, I, I, again, I read all kinds of things. Um, what I'm, what I'm working on now is infinite jest by, um, David Foster Wallace, which, which is a very, that's work. You know, that is a, that novel is a work. Um, I'm enjoying it, but but it is work. Uh What was it before I read that? I read um William Gibson's I was just a neuromancer, I got through that, mm-hmm. which I didn't love, I have to say. Uh I I think that again, that was I don't know, it's just my opinion, but I think that it wasn't a greatly written book. I had a hard time following the story. I think it was great. the concept was great, and I think that's why it's such an important book because it's the first one that starts dealing with the matrix and mm-hmm. you know you know that that other world of the cyber world but I had a hard time following that book um I like sci-fi I don't read too much realistic fiction you know when I want to get into stories and movies I just want to I want to be somewhere else so yeah. that's the, that's the stuff that I like to read. oh, I just I, read yeah. uh the Mistborn series. I thought that was fantastic. Oh, did Brand- you read the series? I read the whole thing. That was great. I, I, I picked up the first one. I'm just like, and, and actually that's one of the series that I, that I know that Brandon Sanderson plots. And I read that and I'm like, Oh, I got a plot. I got a plot. Cause this is, this is going to turn <laughs> out great. Uh, but whatever, we're all individuals.
0: The size of those books is what uh, makes me nervous to start that series.
1: Again, you know, for me like reading is is just it's a vehicle. So, mm-hmm. if you can get on the train, it it doesn't really matter, you know? You pick it up and you just you get through it when you get through it. There's no nobody's keeping track, you know? You do it for mm-hmm. entertainment.
0: What what was your favorite thing about the Miss Burn series? Uh,
1: well, one of the uh, one of the things that I do not like about fantasy per se, for me, this is this is personally is that sometimes the worlds are so difficult to get into, and the magic is um, is so implausible that I I just don't believe the story. And <clears throat> the Mistborn series, it was full of magic, but the magic system that he made, the world building was I, was so believable that I believed the characters and I believe what they were doing. And so for me, that that was one of the best fantasy series that I've read in a very long time.
0: Wow. Maybe i might have to pick that up now
1: uh, it's worth a read i recommend it
0: yeah and neuromancer I, I i'm with you with the neuromancer it was a tough read i had a tough time getting into it and i think the writing there's some really great lines in it but i just couldn't get invest i just couldn't get a rhythm when i was reading it
1: T- tell me more about
0: that um it, it just it I could. It didn't feel smooth. It didn't. The story didn't move. Something I don't know. If it was yeah. written. the The language and the and the the wording was. There were some really great one or two liners in there that I was like, "Wow, that's really awesome." But as a whole, I just couldn't get into a rhythm with the story to to get um to just get lost. I couldn't get lost in that book.
1: Yeah, I 100% agree with you, man. 100. percent And that's what I was saying before. It's like when I read books, I just want to flow through it. Mm-hmm. And I had a really difficult time with the flow. It was there were characters with multiple names, and then it was just like it was huge shifts in the story. I'm just like, what is going on? Yeah. Uh. yeah I
0: <laughs> but I, I was uh, I was a little bit surprised. I knew that it was influential, but I, I didn't realize how influential until I read it. There was just so many things that. In modern science fiction, or just modern culture that came from that book, it's really amazing how much came from that book. And I, I, I knew it was influential. I didn't know that it was that influential.
1: Which is why I picked it up because <laughs> <laughs> it's like oh, I got to read it. It's, it's one of those things that you have to put on your list. Mm-hmm. But it's off my list now, so I'm, I'm happy about that. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, we read it. Uh, As in a, a group of us read it uh, March or April, and yeah, it was, it was a tough one. For sure, yeah. Uh, when you're writing, what makes uh, when you're writing a character? What makes it? Or when you're either you're writing a character or you're reading about characters or watching a character, what makes the character compelling for you? So characters are very difficult.
1: That's uh, it's a really complex question, you know, because I don't think there's a simple answer. And I and I've come the more that I write. Um, and I'm, I've almost finished with my second, a rough draft of my second book, which is a very different book. It's um, it's more literary. It's a literature. It's a book of literature. So, the more that I read literature, and the more I read different types of genre fiction, I think what happens with the character is is quite different, and the demands on the writer would be different in terms of generating some sort of believability of the character. In literature, to to talk about that one, and then I'll talk about Scarboys for a second. But in the literature aspect, I think it's very important that the the character is the central uh, emotive element of the story. So what is happening to that character must be somehow convincingly made to drive the story. And it's all about usually one character. Not always, but I think I think most pieces of literature are going to be about one important character that is really feeling a situation and having a a real human experience that somehow comes through the page. Uh, I believe there's a little bit more introspection in that, but i'm I'm generalizing, of course, but I think those that's what makes it more interesting as as a literary piece of work in a, a piece like Scarboys, which is more of a genre type of of work, I think if i again if i'm i'm in generalizing cuz there's no right way to do anything but i think it's more about how characters interact with the other characters that mm-hmm. that really creates the synergy for the story and that multiplicity of characters is what makes it fun and interesting because it's always uh you know it's it's like a an action reaction that's happening and building across the the story arc hmm.
0: and with uh mina you know, publishing self-publishing and, and getting and promoting your book it can, it can be tough i'm sure to to get the word out because there's so many books being published every day how do you promote your book how do you get the word out there
1: well i mean doing this stuff like this is why i'm so very appreciative that you you know you invited me on and decided to, to have a conversation because these things are, are hugely important uh you grow a community uh, you have a youtube channel that you help process your thoughts and you put it out there and people latch on and they'll see bits here or there. you got to do a website. Uh, you got to talk to your friends. You know, I have your, your friends are the the pillar to, to getting you going. And I think I don't, I don't care what, uh, what discipline or activity you're doing. It's going to start with your friends. You know, you're making cookies. The first people you're going to sell to are your friends. Um, <laughs> so it, it, for me, it's also just, you know, understanding that the process is is uh, my life. So I have lots of time, hopefully, you know, fingers crossed, but it's not something that you're going to be gratified with in a week or two weeks. And, oh, I want to sell 100,000 copies. That doesn't, doesn't really happen. It happens to some people, but it doesn't really happen to the vast majority of people.
0: Yeah. It, it can be tough to, uh, I would imagine it would be tough to, to kind of stand out amongst all the other books that are being published. It must be little tough. And like you said, it's building the community and building a following. And it's going to be a slow process. Yeah. And uh, with, uh, yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah,
1: no, it's, no, it's okay. I mean, um, again, I think that uh, your your point is right on, is that if the process is what it's about, you know, it's about, you know, we, we, I, I think it's difficult. We have so much dissonance, cognitive dissonance. Nowadays, because we see all these successful people about, you know, on YouTube, whatever, all these channels and um, TV and sports stars. And that becomes kind of your ceiling. And that's where you want to compare yourself to. But that's absolutely ridiculous. It's like, you know, those those people are doing it not because they want to make money. They make money because they've always loved playing basketball or whatever. You know, I grew up in Akron, Ohio, and I, I uh, used to watch LeBron James play in high school. And, oh, he was, he was so fun because he just, you could tell he was just so passionate. He was a phenomenon, of course, but he was so passionate about the game that he would, he'd do the same thing if nobody paid him. And that's yeah. kind of where you have to be.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that is, that is tough, but it helps that, uh, you know, he's able to go to the NBA. So that's always good. <laughs>
1: yeah, that does help.
0: <laughs> he's, he's made a pretty good life for himself. <laughs> yeah. He's done all right. Yeah. He's done okay for himself. And uh, with your musical background, do you listen to music while you write? Mm, not at all.
1: I can't no. do it. No, not at all. I I listen to music when I do my graphic design, because that's. Uh, but I find that particularly words, any any words. If I'm trying to generate words and I'm hearing other words, that's a that's a terrible. That's oil and water.
0: Mm. You know. Oh, okay. Not even ambient music or like background music. Uh, No,
1: I prefer absolute silence. Actually, I have a place where I have uh, in my house that I have no internet and it's, I closed, I have two doors, so it's relatively silent. I get some background noise from the garbage truck that comes by. uh, But, you know, I I prefer silence. That's when I work best.
0: Yeah, yeah, me too. I I like having silence. Yeah. With your uh with your youtube channel how do you decide what, what types of videos to make do you get questions that you want to answer or do you do you find uh, lessons you have learned and want to pass on to other people or how do you decide what to focus on with your channel um
1: i've just kind of whatever i'm feeling in the moment to be honest with you, I'm like oh this, this would be good i want to do a video on this i've only made one video there's this one kid who's been very kind to me you know he's he's very interactive with the channel who's had a couple of requests and I've made one video on his request, but mostly it's just kind of like where I am with my own process. Is like, oh, this is what I need to talk about right now. You know, it's like if I'm if I'm working on a, you know, I'm where I'm doing a line edit for my book. I'm going to make a video on line editing because that's where my head mm-hmm. is. So that's kind of how I I deal with my content.
0: That sounds like a good because if you're in the middle of it, it's it's fresh in your mind, so it's easier to to focus on that. Then
1: it, I feel it's more natural and fluid. Yeah. Yeah.
0: What are some common questions you've gotten from your students? With with have they asked you about your experience with writing the book and getting it published?
1: Uh, not too much. Not too much of the publishing aspect. I think that is such a foreign idea to kids. Um, mm. That it, to, to the kids that I work with, uh, right. which is you know I work with Venezuelans. They're not they're not Americans. The vast majority are Venezuelans, um, but they're interested in the in the process when they they look at it and they're like that's so thick. I'm like, yeah, it is. It is. It's really (laughs) thick. They're like, how long did it take you? That's what they want to know. You know, they want to know because, uh, and and again, I'm going to make a very general statement, but I think that, um, the, the negative aspects of social media and, and dealing with the accessibility of computers has really limited the ability for younger kids and the younger generation to find some deep flow, to find some deep thinking, they don't have extended periods of time uh, to think quietly. Um, you know, when I was growing up, again, we were making half pipes. I used to skateboard. Uh, I still skateboard a little bit, but we would, we would build half pipes. So building a half pipe took us, uh, you know, took us a month and a half. So that is a project that you have to be committed to and you have to, like, work on day in, day out. Uh, that, and that's the way it was. We didn't have anything else. You did it yourself. Uh, Nowadays, I think kids are just very easily and superficially entertained, which, you know, in my opinion, affects their ability to have longer, you know, sustained thoughts and projects.
0: Hmm. It's a problem.
1: I think it's a problem.
0: So is it attention span? Is that kind of part of it?
1: I can't remember what I was like when I was 14, but I think that um, (laughs) it's been a long time. But I think that, yes, I see it's difficult for kids to have a serious, you know, a serious conversation with themselves for longer than a couple of minutes.
0: Mm-hmm. I think, uh, having time to decompress is important. And like you said, just quiet time for yourself just to reflect and absorb what happened. I think that's, uh, becoming less and less common because I, I used to do a lot of business travel. And, uh, after, after a long trip, I used to take the plane rides to decompress and just forget about everything. And, uh, one of our uh, our companies used to like us to write emails during the flights because it's we, they wanted us to and I, that's my time to yeah. Yeah. to just turn off for a little while so that that helped me process everything and then when I got back to the office then I would write emails or whatever but I think that that's and I, I think part of it is that people don't think they can allow themselves to have that time too I think sometimes they feel pressured or they feel like they have to keep up or they don't feel like they're being productive enough so they keep going when they should stop i think that i think some people have a problem with uh admitting to themselves they need a break i think they feel like they don't they can't give themselves that break
1: yeah and you know your your point is right on it's like some of the best thinking and this goes all the way back to descartes descartes was an avid walker he would get up every morning and he would find his silence and he would walk around his little village and he would come up with his ideas and so you ask me about where i get my youtube content is that often i'm not even thinking about my youtube channel and something will pop in my head because i have the time to like just be let my brain work uh you know that slow thinking you know there are a couple of different ways our brain works there's a fast thinking which is on and it's we're, we're fast thinking right now you're asking me questions but as i you know as i slow down my brain is still making connections and that's where good ideas come from. But you're right. You have to find a space and a time to do that.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. But I I do wonder what, uh, even to adults, what, what, uh, you know, the platforms like all the platforms are, are engineered for to gather our attention and to get us hooked. That's their business models to, to have us engaged constantly with their platform. So I do wonder what it's doing to everyone's attention spans, and but especially kids because they're uh, they're still developing. So it's it, it is a little scary.
1: Well, there and there are two aspects to that. I think the one is attention span, but the also is just about how you spend your time. You know, I mm-hmm. I had TikTok for about two days, and, and I, but I, I I was scared, man. It's like I sat down one morning. This is a Saturday morning, and suddenly an hour and a half went by, and I'm looking at just garbage on TikTok. I'm like. This is this is horrible. And so, <laughs> you know, it sucks your time, but also there's no real value in in that. I feel a little bit differently about YouTube. You know, we're having a great conversation. This is this is fantastic. You know, we can connect around the world, but you know, the a 30 a 30 second, what do you get? Five seconds on a TikTok? Uh maybe. I've never
0: used it. Yeah. Good good for you, man. You're better, I'm you're avoiding, better I'm than
1: avoiding I, yeah. you're, you're better than I am.
0: That is not on my to-read list. Yeah, no. I'm I'm holding out. I'm holding on that one. I'm I'm staying strong. <laughs>
1: You're a good man.
0: I'm trying to. Yeah. I try to avoid all the, you know, Twitter is okay. I think I've made some fun connections on Twitter, but it's I'm I'm trying to use it less and less.
1: Uh, and Twitter's for connections, like you said that's good. Um Instagram is okay. Uh you can you can find some interesting content, but again, I think which is why I love books and I, and I will continue to read books is that the, the sustained mental activity of getting, engaging with a book fiction, nonfiction is so different than any activity that you can get on uh, even a video or YouTube or anything, you know?
0: Yeah. It is. And you're, yeah, you're right. It's, to engage in it is, is important. and, you know, books now span many genres. I mean, there, there's, there's books that can be, there's some books that fit into fantasy, horror, uh, historical fiction, whatever it may be. They fit perfectly in that box and they're fine, but there's a lot of books that span many different genres. How tough is it to write a book? It sounds like Scarboys spans over a few different genres. Is that hard to, to promote a book or that it's, it's harder to explain and doesn't just fit into one specific genre?
1: Look, I just, I don't care what book you write. I think it's hard to promote a book. Uh-huh. I, I just, yeah. I mean, I think it's harder. It may be harder to sell a book. You'd have to ask somebody who's actually in, you know, engaged, an agent in the business. They would know better. Uh, but I think that as an independent author, promoting a book is just work, you know? Um, and I have, I have friends who are amazing musicians and they're in the same boat. It's like, how do you, as an independent person, how do you get your stuff out there you know, it's not about the quality; it's about accessibility. It's about it's about you know the work. That's the work.
0: Yeah. And how how do you deal how do you deal with negative feedback when you receive it? That's one thing that I admire about authors is they must get a ton of through the process of writing their book and even after. Process of that negative feedback and, and turning it into a positive. How how do you deal with negative feedback?
1: Actually, I thrive on negative feedback. And there, you know, there's there are a couple ways if you get feedback. One is uh, about just which I, I've encountered none, which is just you know mean people. And if someone's going to say something mean to you, what do you? I mean, they're just mean people. What are you going to do? But if somebody actually has a serious you know critique about the book, you listen absolutely. If you don't do that, you'll never grow.
0: Mm. definitely and is there um is there a certain time of day or certain seasons that you like to write in is does seasons or weather help you focus? yeah i think
1: it, it the time of day actually is important to me i i used to when i finished scarboys i was grinding it out about five o'clock in the morning and then i'd have to go to work and i that was work for me. It was really hard. And I've changed my schedule since then. And I'm trying to write at night. I have a a, a word uh, limit that I want to get. I try to get 500, but I usually get between 350 words to 500 words uh, three or four times a week. If I can get, you know, 2,000 would be brilliant a week, but I I usually get about 1,200 to 1,500 words a week. Uh, And I feel like I'm more productive because the only thing that's pressing me when I write at night is me going to bed, you know, whereas, you know, in the morning I have to go to work. So it's, it's a little bit more, it interrupts my thinking, I guess. Yeah. And I'm tired.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Did you, uh, I know you you work in a library. Did you put your own book in your library?
1: Uh, Yes. So this has been a really great experience because I've, you know, so there are a couple of classes who will read them as a class set so I can, you know, provide some guidance about the process and the books and and literature in that respect. Uh, I did an event, which I, I made on my YouTube channel. You can, you can see that there uh, where I did a reading with some of the other artists of the school, some musicians and another uh, author that I had that's at school here. Um, so you do those things on a small scale. And again, it's been, it's fun. It's been so much fun. And that's, that's why you do it
0: what about teaching? What about teaching is, uh, fulfilling for you? What's your favorite part? Um, I've
1: been teaching for about 20 years and, you know, it's, it's hard to say that there's one specific thing because for me, I, the, the setting, the school setting, the academic setting with, you know, the exchange of ideas, I work with smart people all the time. Uh, there's schools are political, but, you know, they don't have to be in a lot of us stay out of that. Um, the kids are always thinking. They're always asking questions. My brain is always functioning. That exchange is what keeps it fresh, you know, and I I can't imagine a different, uh, you know, workplace that I would want to be in than an academic workplace. And I get to teach so many different subjects. Uh, you know, I teach philosophy. I've taught literature. I teach graphic design. I teach film classes. So, dude, I'm never bored. I'm never bored.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Do you have any favorite movies? If you uh, know your film, do you have any favorite movies? It's funny. I've, I'm watching fewer and fewer movies. I, I find that
1: my patience and tolerance for movies is less and less as I, uh, as I have other interests. Um, I used to watch more, but I feel like... There's a lot of disappointing movies out there, so I just it's a hit hit or miss. Let me let me think for a second. What was the last one that I saw? Oh God, I can't remember. It's been that long, huh? No, it's not been that long. You know, I I decompress with friends sometimes, and Seinfeld's on again, so I could I could watch Seinfeld.
0: Are you a fan of uh, Kirby Enthusiasm? Have you seen that?
1: Uh. What's his name? Jerry. Oh, uh, Larry his... David. Larry David. I don't find him that funny. No, I really? don't. No, I don't. I tried. I really did try.
0: I was surprised because he, he was, uh, it, when I watched Seinfeld, the, the seasons that he was gone with that he after he left, seemed that the, the quality went down a little bit on, on Seinfeld. I thought. He's, uh, I think he's a great writer. Don't
1: get me wrong. Uh, but, uh, Again, I just—it's hard for me to engage with television anymore, yeah. and movies. Um, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe just—maybe I'm just getting old, Steve. <laughs> yeah,
0: get get in, get in line. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> what about you? Do you watch movies? Do you like movies? Um...
0: I do. I don't. I haven't watched. Uh, haven't seen as many because I've been reading a lot more. So I don't have enough. I don't have a whole lot of time for for movies. But I like. I enjoy movies now and then. I'm before uh, before I started reading uh, more and more last January. Or so I used to read a lot of indie. I used to watch a lot of indie movies and read indie comics. So it just made sense to me to read indie books. So that's why now mostly I read a lot of indie books because it's just kind of my thing. And maybe it's from that. Because I'm from, you know, pretty much the same generation. I think it was the the punk rebellion kind of thing. Is you know, it's uh, I don't know. Maybe it's that it's a subconscious thing that I I root for the underdog, or uh, I just admire the yeah, people yeah. who try and do it themselves, who try and who have this love that they want to get it out there, and and they they do all these things on their own, and they have these wonderful stories to tell after their their experiences.
1: I think I'm with you on that one. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And not to say that people who, uh, you know, people who may, who have a lot of success don't have great stories. I'm sure they do, but who none of them are going to talk to me, so I'll never know. <laughs>
1: <laughs> you know, one of the things that I did to go back to the book in the process that I really began to understand better, like when you deal with uh, mainstream publishers, there are authors, of course, the authors come up with the idea and they write their book, but that whole you know, that from the, the final draft to, to getting the thing published, there are so many people involved. It is such a massively collaborative project that you kind of, um, you just un- underestimate, I shouldn't say, you overestimate the actual value of somebody writing, I think. And I, and I don't mean that in any way to demean any, any author. Well, what I mean is that that crafting has so many hands that, that are touching it that Without that it'd be it'd be very very difficult to do it by yourself and uh, I think it's important to note you know and I'm including myself in that process that is why you absolutely have to write you know get someone to look at your work you need beta readers, you need alpha readers you need uh, uh, editors you need as many people looking at it to give you feedback and if you don't take that, if you take that negatively then you're you're kind of doomed in making something that's worth worth reading and quality yeah.
0: I just want to say hi to Danielle uh, Bokhara, is here. Hey, Danielle, hope you're having a good week. Hi, Danielle. And our friend Jeff Lane is here. Hey, Jeff, hope you're having a good Friday. And uh, Jeff is one of the first authors I connected with on YouTube. That uh, He accepted my invite back in March to have a chat, and here we are. And it's, it's funny that we talk about... What did Jeff write? Sorry, just to... um, the The first book I wrote of Jeff's was One Way. And he also wrote, um, this paper world, this burning world, uh, we're going to be reading the three Scrooges in a few weeks for Christmas. And, uh, and Jeff, speaking of, uh, you know, indie, indie authors and getting your work out there, he actually, uh, narrated his own, his book and put it out on, um, Apple podcasts. Oh, that's okay.
1: cool. That's cool. And Good for you, Jeff.
0: Jeff. You know, episodic form. So I ended up listening to his, his book, um, uh, this paper world and this burning world. I listened to it on, on a novel podcast as I was riding my bike, and then I'd come and read the paperback when I got home. But it's, it's, there's something about an author narrating their own wow. book that you just, that experience, even if they're not a professional narrator, it's just something special about that.
1: And I can only imagine how much time that took.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He did a great job, though. And, uh, but cool. like your tree. Yeah out of the tree behind me (laughs) now. that's good my my wife uh maybe put it back there because she said we need some christmas cheer so there you go (laughs) so steve if you were to
1: recommend uh one of jeff's books which one would you would you suggest for me to buy and i'm i'm asking this in all seriousness because one of the things i want to do in the library uh as i mentioned earlier in the Mm. in the the show is that i want to create an independent section of books for independent authors and again you know the, there's again, there's so much happening out there that you have to look for it a little bit. Uh, but there's great work that I think that people are just missing because it's not, it doesn't come through your feed. So if you were to suggest one by Jeff, which one should I go with? One way? I would, say,
0: I would say start with One Way. Yeah, that's, right. that's where I started. <laughs> so, and it's a stand. Well, it's, it, I think there's going to be a trilogy, but it, for now, it's, it can be read as a standalone. So, cool. So that's, that's a good place to start but I think with uh, another reason I really love indie books and and you touched on it too, is that there's so many people involved in the publishing process that from your vision to, uh, you know, all these different people, it goes through. And by the time it goes through all the editors and the, the people who decide what, what uh, you know, what, what, um, what genres or what stories are, are hot at that certain time or, or selling and they, they water it down so much that it, at the end, it may not even be what the creator wanted. So It's that's what I admire too is that they, um, you know, they write the books and even if they're not perfect, even if there's grammar errors or spelling errors, it's still, it's still what they wanted to have out in the world. And that's what I really love about it. And that's, I want to read what, I want to see what they wanted to produce, whether it's, whether I enjoyed it or not, I still want to know what they wanted it to be.
1: Yeah, there were. I think there are a couple of non-negotiables uh, with stories. Again, you you want to get your story right. But I think if your story is good and you have someone help you with that as an independent author, then the rest is a little bit more forgivable. Forgivable in terms of like a few grammar mistakes here or there. Um, but yeah, I think I think your perspective is right on. I would. I'd support that.
0: Yeah, and uh, Jeff says too kind, Adam. Yeah, thank you.
1: Actually, I did send out my book an earlier version of my book to a couple of, to about 10 or 12 agents. And uh, some of the responses I got was just that they're like, dystopian is not selling right now. So we're just, so sounds, sounds good, but dystopian is not selling. Like, oh, what do you do?
0: Yeah. <laughs> you have to wait for the next uh, popular dystopian uh, movie to, to pop out. And then, yeah.
1: Or you, or you uh, do it yourself.
0: That's, yeah, that's what I would do, but you know, yep. I don't, I don't have the talent to write a book, but I love reading them. So there i am uh miss bell jared is here hey steve just got here hey hope you're having a good friday and fine reads is here hi aj hi steve happy friday everyone happy friday hope you're having a good one yeah yeah i do and maybe it's i don't maybe it's the generation or just the i don't know i don't know what it is i I just really admire the the indie scene
1: uh i do too Uh, i i really respect it and i respect people who spend the time for you know without without Seeking necessarily monetary rewards because I've calculated for me to make just to make back what I've spent on the book, which I don't think is uh, uncommon, I'd have to sell about 2,000 books, which that's a lot of books, man. <laughs> that is a lot of books to sell. I don't know. Maybe when I'm 60, I'll, I'll get there, get my money back. But you know, honestly, who cares? Whatever. It's just money, right? <laughs>
0: I think yeah. I think if your if your goal is getting it out out there for people to read, then you know you you mission accomplished. Good. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, it's uh. And it, is your is Scarboys available on Kindle Unlimited?
1: Yeah, Scarboys is available on um, it's on Amazon, it's on Kindle. You can also buy paperback, and it's also on Barnes and Nobles. Um, I put it up in two places. I was going to do that. That's actually a whole other process as well that I had to learn. That's a lot of work uh, to, to really understand how that goes. And I was going to put it on other platforms, but the truth is, I, I think I'm happy with two. Um, so you can get it. The, this is, a, you can say what you will about Amazon. Uh, there is a lot of negative things about Amazon that I concur with. But one of the coolest things is that it is a print on demand. So if you want a book, they're going to print it for you and that's it. There's no excess back stock there's you don't have to buy a certain amount of books they'll just print it and send it send it off
0: yeah it makes me a little bit nervous that there's no other company out there just doing self-published books like doing print on demand because if amazon ever wants to turn that valve off then what happens then
1: i i have a feeling that they would not do that because despite the, even as self-publishing uh, a self-publishing Author, they're making more money off of me than any than I'm making off of me.
0: Oh wow! Yes, so, for sure. So, is there a percentage that they take with every book sale, or how does that work?
1: They do take a percentage, uh, and so that percentage, instead of being the uh, you know the the publishing company that's taking that percentage, they're taking that percentage. They are basically the publishing company. You get a larger percentage as an independent, you know, as an author, but uh, it's they're still taking enough of a chunk and as they dominate that market they're making lots of money for sure Hmm. so i'm sure they're very happy they're 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 all about the indie process you know it's a it's a love-hate thing but i don't i think it's cool i really do think it's cool what they're doing i don't i don't criticize it at all i think they provided a lot of opportunity and um what the hell send jeff bezos to the moon
0: yeah yeah yeah, it could that it could happen now. You know? <laughs> yeah. it could happen now. I think someone was was gonna go into space. Uh, somebody was a couple of days ago, but I don't know if they ever did. Yeah. Yeah, well. I guess if you can then go for it. I mean
1: Yeah, you know, again, it's those are those are very expensive independent projects. <laughs> the uh, Elon Musk's and the Jeff Bezos, which you know i think it's i think it's brilliant to get off the planet you know i'm i i think that it is our destiny in many ways as human beings i think that 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 is the uh the furthest reach of our creativity um and and i say go for it absolutely um
0: so you know i don't i'm i'm not totally against it what can i say <laughs> Uh, Missfeld Jared says there are places like Ingram Spark that uh, you can use, but I use Amazon as well. And they were trying to open it up more. They just added hardback. That's pretty cool. I like that they did added hardbacks. That's pretty. Yep. Neat. But again, it's hardbacks
1: important. are are expensive. I mean, if you're gonna, for me to do a hardback cover, I have to do a whole different reformatting, and I'd have to sell a lot of books to be able to, you know, to make make it worth my time. And at this point, I don't have the audience to do that.
0: But it's so cool. If, yeah. So if you did decide to do a hardback version, would you have to reformat it, or what was that? What would that process be like?
1: Yeah, because you've got your the soft cover is is just the outside, okay, mm-hmm. but then the hardback you've got you got to you got to do something on the inside cover. So that's a total different formatting, and you have to adjust things, which is not massive work, but it is work. You know, I'd rather at this point just write something instead of just move on to my next project.
0: Yeah. And if if uh, let's say you you found a book and you found a, you found an, an error in Scarboys, could you go back and fix it? You
1: can actually uh, you can re-upload copies so there's some flexibility with that and I've done that twice hmm yep so oh, it's, that's, that's kind of handy. I'm, I know it's a cool thing you know I can't I can't criticize it too much because there's a lot of flexibility and there's a lot of opportunity and uh, you know had I written this book. 15, 20 years ago, it would still be, you know, in my notebook, not even on my computer. <laughs>
0: yeah, is is Kindle Unlimited a good source of income for you? Is, does that the page reads? They help you out a lot, or
1: yeah, I did not do Kindle Unlimited. I um, uh, I chose not to do that option, and I don't know if it was good or bad. To be honest with you, um, I saw one of your other. I can't remember the author's name, but there was the woman who she wrote. Uh, it was also a sci-fi book one that you highlighted that she was one of your favorites um and was she, it Kayla Frost? Yes. Yes, it was her. And she said that she had a lot of success with that and I understand that point of view and you know good good on, good for her. Yeah. In yeah, retrospect think, maybe I'll do it. I don't know.
0: Yeah, I've heard uh I've heard good and bad about that. I think some some authors have found that they have good success with that and page reads and some kind of wonder if, if it's worth the hassle but yeah, I'm, not, I'm not too sure how that works.
1: Yeah, I don't know. If, yeah. if, we'll see. Maybe I'll try it next time.
0: Yeah. What are you working on now? Your next book.
1: So I have... Scarboys is... Um, I, I wrote it as... a, a It, it could be read as a standalone, but I have... It took a very different path from what I originally conceived the book. Uh, in the end, I actually had to... You know, change a lot of things and i wrote a, a very different part two and three than what i had ahead in my mind but the other you know the the other part two and three that i didn't write is what i want to write about in uh, in this i, I guess i call it a sequel maybe a companion novel um but before I got there, I you know I've been living in Venezuela. Venezuela has been a very interesting place for the last six years. I've been here for six years. Uh, it's been a lot of political unrest. Uh, there's a lot of poverty. There there are many social struggles, and I've I've been writing about that, and I j- it evolved into something that I that I've actually put into a novel. So it's a, it's a shorter novel. Scarboys is about, um, well, when I first wrote Scarboys, it was about one hundred thirty thousand words, and I ended up cutting about thirty thousand words. Uh, which you know you would you would think that it's difficult but honestly it's like it's almost like this catharsis you're just like oh god yeah that sucks <laughs> just get, just gone 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 uh and so i i will you know whittled it down to something that was that was good i, I like what it is and the, the current novel that i'm that i'm writing is very much about venezuela it's about uh it's literary fiction it's uh it's a more advanced level of writing i guess uh it's more introspective, it's more about my experiences and um, I am really enjoying writing it. Uh, I feel like in many respects it's coming out of me much more naturally and fluidly than, than Scarboys. And this is another thing that I would say about those two different genres is that when you write a genre fiction uh, or, or bestseller type fiction, it's, it is very scripted. Uh, you know you have you have a certain movement and pacing that you want to keep. Uh, where, whereas if you get into literary, you know the literary genre, you have. It it can go a little bit more, and I've read some great books. Uh, one of my favorite authors, Jose Saramago. I know he just he just puts you on, he just puts you on, and just takes you. And uh, that's what I that's what I'm hoping to try to do with this novel, hmm. called the bank the bank notes. Do
0: you have an ETA when that might be ready to go?
1: <clears throat> so. I'm actually going thinking about making a video of this. I may not I may not publish this book right away uh, for the reason that I want to get back to Scarboys, and I know that even after a rough draft, that process is is a very long and can be an arduous process. and I don't know if I want to spend that time right now because uh, I have some ideas about the continuation of Scarboys that I want to get on paper. so uh, we'll see uh, it could be it could be next year, but probably a couple
0: of years. Looking forward to that, it sounds really great Yeah, it's, it's fun uh, Miss Valjure says, Kindle Unlimited varies It pays it pays on the pages read And it pays less But it's mm-hmm. good to get it out to people Yeah,
1: I think as a first time author It's a great um, opportunity mm-hmm. Even though I didn't do it, I don't know I don't really <laughs> <laughs> it's,
0: it's all a mystery It's a learning process Definitely, it's, it's all a learning process so uh, before I let you go, I have a question for you. I try and, and I close out every, every uh, conversation with this question. Is uh, what, what's, what was your first job? Um,
1: my first job, I was 14 years old. I worked as a – I mean my first actual paying job where I paid taxes – because I had many I had many jobs before that. You can ask my dad. My dad had me working when I was about 6 years old tearing down walls, but that doesn't count. Uh but my job was a busboy at a restaurant in Akron, Ohio. And it's the restaurant is still there. I I drove by and drove by the other day. The most impacting job though was when I was 18, I had graduated high school and I was working third shift at a uh semi-tire rim making plant factory it was the worst thing that i had ever done in my life and i immediately went to university
0: (laughs) how long did you work there for Uh, three months
1: i think i made it yeah that was enough
0: that was enough (laughs) yeah that was enough so what did you uh what did you what did you major in when you went to school? I did my I went to
1: Allegheny College. I have an undergrad in uh, I have a minor in Spanish and education, and I have a major in environmental studies. And then I did my uh, master's degree in Santiago, de Chile, uh, in po- political philosophy. Oh wow! So that
0: was that was my path. So the so that that uh, that job really set you on a path, didn't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it did. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I did uh I did include all, all the links where you can be found down below but if uh, where can people find you if they if they want to connect with you yeah it's place?
1: great I invite I invite everyone to come visit the website that's www.punkwrightcom I have the YouTube channel punk with sme under the same uh, you can find me the same way punk right um, and uh, you know I invite you to check out scarboys uh, it's I think it's twelve dollars on Amazon and i really think it's a good book you know i wrote a good book i'm really happy and i i you know it's not perfect i could probably go back and change some things but i really think that it takes you from beginning to end and you'll enjoy the book so i invite you to to purchase scarboys
0: yeah that that link is in the in the description it will take you right to amazon right to the page where you can you can pick that pick that up and give scarboys a read check it out all right yeah so adam thanks for coming by and i know it's uh it's, it's kind of weird at the time zones and stuff, but thanks for taking the time out of your Friday night to come and have a little chat with me,
1: dude. I totally appreciate the time. I really enjoyed myself. Thank you so uh, much.
0: Yeah, thanks for thanks for coming by. It's always right. fun to uh, hear everyone's story, so it's it's a lot of fun. Okay, so thanks everyone for uh, for dropping by. We'll see you uh, see you again soon.